We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted the film show. You're listening to Unscripted the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello and welcome to Unscripted, the film show. I am Cecilia. Lewis is also in the studio across from me. Uh, hello, Lewis. Hello. How are you? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm all right. <laughs> getting on. Getting on a bit, you know. It's, I just can't believe it's February already. It is. Uh, it's hit February uh, in Perth where we are, you know, live broadcasting mm-hmm. from now. It's uh, sweltering out there. It's... Uh, over 40 degrees, so in this lovely studio, though, it is lovely and cool, uh, which is which is good, because imagine coming here and sweating. Yeah. You wouldn't want that. No. Um, but obviously, they've got to keep the uh, equipment nice and good, and uh, they do that with uh, some good old aircon. <laughs> so we're pretty lucky. Uh, Rachel is not here tonight. Uh, we do have a couple of films to talk about, though, a film called May, December, uh, Rice Boy Sleeps, and also The Beekeeper. Uh, which I know not a lot about. It's that, that's a bit uh, uh, of belated review because that's been out for a while, uh, and I, I saw it, and we I just haven't had a chance to speak about it yet. So I, well, I could have done it earlier, but I forgot. Um, so oh, that's okay. So, so I figure I'll, I'll, I'll get around to doing it now. Um, but uh, you, you were talking about the, the weather. Mm. Before and for anyone who's listening to the podcast or is international, uh, Perth gets really, really hot. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and at the moment we've got like forty plus degree days, um, and that's just where we are. Like, you go further up north and it gets to ridiculous kind of hot. Like, yeah, it's just and it just does not cool down to the point where why would you live yeah. in certain places? But I'm not going to name those places no. because that wouldn't be very nice. But, um, but Synergy, our, our electricity company, uh, sent me a text. Did they text you as well? I got a text from yeah. Synergy too. I was like, Synergy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never had that warning before. Yeah, so Synergy said, consistent hot weather increases electricity use between 5pm and 9pm uh, because that's when people get home and <laughs> go, oh my God, my house is so hot and turns the air conditioner on. Yeah. Um, to save energy, switch off unnecessary appliances so um not my aircon i'm not no no everything else lights tv you know everything else turn it off just your ac just sit Sit. there on your couch under the ac nothing else so you can't watch tv you can't use your phone um i mean i'd rather that than a full power outage so yeah oh god let's not let's not uh let's not even put that's not even Float that into existence because we don't want that. Uh, But I was listening to the radio on my way in and did hear on the news that uh, despite that, uh, yesterday we exceeded, I don't know the technical lingo for it, but we exceeded the energy thing that we should yesterday and we were fine. Right. And obviously today we're expected to do the same, but apparently uh, everything's working really well. So despite uh, any overuse, we should be Fingers crossed, okay. Uh, everything's uh, working well, according to to the news. I don't know all of the, the jargon mm. they use, but uh, they must have a measure of how much electricity is being used at one point. And there must be a meter, which kind of, you know, if you go above that, that's when you're expected to mm. hit power outages or you're at risk of. And apparently we hit that yesterday and uh, we didn't go into meltdown or anything. So uh, they expect that we'll hit that today again and, and still be okay. So I, I fingers think crossed. Maybe it's because like there's so many people now that have like solar panels on their roofs. Yeah. 
So they've been like, you know, putting their air conditioner on all day and that's been running with the, the solar energy. Mm. And then so their houses are quite cool. So at night you don't necessarily have to have them on all night um, to, to keep your house cool. It's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of, the, one of the good things about solar power. I mean, it would be lovely if we all had a battery and we could just be running off our battery. But uh, I don't think we live in that world just yet. Not yet, but hopefully one day yeah. things, will, uh, things will change. But, uh, yeah. Not to get into politics either, I was also listening to the radio this morning and there was some interesting news about Nedlands and the a, um, passing of a... Well, they wanted to pass something about property owners not being able to just cut down che- trees... Cheese. <laughs> yes, Don't property cut owners cheese. cannot cut any um, <laughs> Cut down trees just willy-nilly. You have to kind of get permission from the council to do it. And, you know, a lot of people were in favour of this because, you know, you want to keep that... Um, green, mm. you know, stuff there. and the canopy. Um, the canopy, thank you. That's the word I was going to look for. And then I thought canopy, that just reminds me of food. Um, <laughs> that's something entirely different. But, uh, yeah, it turns out I don't think it passed and uh, there's going to be more of a uniform. Uh, I think one dude in particular gets to decide what happens. But Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it was a big thing on the radio so this what, morning. So one guy, is it, does he get, does he get uh, elected? He licked the microphone. Yeah. Um, no, so, so someone in power is deciding the final outcome, which I think is silly. I feel like if you've got a you know, majority of people wanting to pass something, then mm. that's where the vote should lie, not for it to be just decided by one person. Are these trees on their property or...? They are, they are right yeah. There. And it's not to say that you can't cut them down mm. if you want to. It's just to say that the preferred method would be to go to your council and you have to get approval for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it dead or is it, you know, at risk of causing harm or whatnot? But obviously I don't want to get into too much of the politics about it, but there was uh, a lady on who was speaking from a climate kind of point of view and she mentioned that you know in areas where there is a large tree canopy it can be up to 10 degrees cooler Mm, mm. Um, and she mentioned that you know a lot of the trees on people's properties uh, that is you know cutting those down um, yeah, it just wouldn't be good. So she's obviously advocating to make sure that, yeah, there are restrictions mm. in place, but then people are not happy about not being able to do what they want on their own property. Yeah. But, but when you think about it, a place like Nedlands is like a really old place and mm. a lot of those trees are old and established and yep. like losing those wouldn't be great. Yeah, so. and yeah, it, you know, and apparently, yeah, she mentioned that even though we can sit there and plant a tree here and there, it's never going to equate to the number of trees in people's properties, mm. you know, mm. and all of that. But it was just an interesting conversation about yeah climate and um why wouldn't you want to keep as many trees as possible i mean i understand people's own properties they want to do what they want but you know i think it's you know you've got to think of the the greater good the greater good <laughs> that is it's true that is true all Although, like, sometimes people, as I said, if the tree's falling down and mm. it's dangerous and then they're, they're, it's kind of got to of go. Of course, but, yeah. And, and did you hear that there's this... I'm oh, Sorry, we're getting really arborous. We are, this, aren't we? But there's a, a, this thing, uh, this borer thing that has it didn't get introduced into the state. I'm sure somebody can go, this will be great for the state and, like, let these things go. Uh, but I think they, they must have come in on some, like, you know, furniture or on some wood. Ah. Uh, and these things are terrible because they... I've no idea. I don't see... Like the generally, you, you see a bug and it seems to have a point. Mm-hmm. These things seem to be very pointless. They just bore into trees, put this fungus in them, and then the tree dies. Um, and so, obviously, that's something we don't want to have here in WA. We've done quite no. well keeping things like this out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, apparently, they have uh, some trees in like Kings Park and stuff like that. They're going to have to take out because they've got oh, these borers in them. That's a shame. So, yeah. Um, that's scary. Yeah. That doesn't seem like that bug has a purpose other than trying to destroy the world. Yeah. Uh, because we need our trees. We need oxygen and um, yeah. But apparently even the, the mental health benefits of having a large tree canopy um, are really good as well. Well, I don't, so. in, in our property, we haven't got we got some trees out mm. the, the the kitchen, but from uh, like our bathroom and from upstairs, you can see to the the, the park area, mm-hmm. and there's a you know just trees forever there because they've been there for hundreds Wonderful. of years. Um, and so it's and when it, when you do see them, you actually do get an uplift. In mm. I don't know if you do, but I do. <laughs> I love. Yeah. 
trees. I love going to suburbs where the streets are flooded with trees mm. and I think that's, yeah, I that's why I don't understand why people would be so against having restrictions in place and, you know, restriction doesn't mean you can't do something. It just means there's, you know, regulations mm. around it. But, uh, and, you know, apparently the average person only stays in, again, this is, don't quote me on this, but this was on the radio, the average person only stays in a house for about seven years. Oh, so, right. which I don't think I mean, the people I know are in their houses much longer than that. But, yeah, if you cut down all your trees and then somebody else comes in and goes, oh, I don't want to buy this house because there's not enough trees. But vice versa, what if they walk in and there are too many trees? Yeah. I still don't think you can have too many trees. Anyway, um, I'll I'll get off my high horse (laughs) about the trees. But I love trees and I think, yeah, they definitely make me happy. Excellent. Well, something I've uh, uh, liked this week um, was a, a TV show that is on uh, Stan because mm-hmm. uh, Kat and I were, were like, uh, we've got Stan for a month to watch The Great. Uh, as I, as mm-hmm. I said last week, wasn't as great as we were hoping, um, the, the, the latest uh, series. Um, but another TV, <coughs> sorry, my apologies, another TV show on uh, Stan is Poker Face. And Poker Face is a, a TV show that stars Natasha Leon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would know her from um, Orange is a New Black, Russian Doll. Uh, I think she was in American Pie back in the day as well. She was. Um, she's been around for, for a very long time. Um, in this uh, TV show, uh, she plays Charlie Kale. And Charlie has got this extraordinary extraordinary ability to tell when someone's lying mm-hmm. and uh so initially she was using this ability to play poker and then win and uh you know obviously you know poker people don't like it when people have an advantage and mm-hmm. like they can win this is one of the things i've never understood about poker you know when people can count cards and it gives them a better chance of winning they call that cheating mm-hmm. like, no, that's a skill. <laughs> that's a skill you've learnt to be able to beat the game. So that's not cheating. But apparently they'll break your legs if you do it in wow. casinos. Well, that uh, maybe not at uh, Crown Casino, but uh, um, you know, in, in, in LA and so in uh, Vegas, places like that, I'm mm-hmm. sure. At, uh, back in the day, probably don't do it now, <laughs> just uh, allegedly. Um, yeah, so, so they, they don't like card counting. And because she has this ability to tell people lying, she can basically win uh, whenever she wants because she can tell people are bluffing. Mm. Um, she gets uh, found out by the owner of the casino, but instead of him, uh, you know, being nasty to her, uh, he decides to um, bring her on to be a person working at the casino. But oh. she's, you know, just working, serving drinks, and mm-hmm. you know, he he gave her a a life. It wasn't a great life, but it was a life, uh, and she's just doing her job. Now he. Try, retires and, and moves on to do other things and puts his son in charge. Um, his son is played by uh, Aiden, Aiden Brody mm-hmm. and uh, he decides that he's going to do some nefarious things um, and uh, there's one of the higher roles in there. There's something dodgy about him mm-hmm. and so there's this whole thing and somebody dies and then uh, she has to go on the run. So the whole series... Um, and there's uh, 10, I think it's 10 episodes or 9 episodes? 11 episodes, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, I think there's 10 episodes uh, of the show and it's, um, you're probably too young to have ever watched The Incredible Hulk, the Lou Ferrigno TV series. I am. Yeah. I, I've, yes, but I do obviously know what yeah. you're talking about. So... In the Incredible Hulk, David Banner, he became the Hulk, and then he goes on the run. He's mm-hmm. being tracked down by some by someone, and he goes from town to town. And uh, you know, something happens in the town, and then he, by becoming the Hulk, kind of helps out in that that instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, um, you've got Charlie running from uh, town to town because the um, enforcer of the the casino mm-hmm. is chasing after her to kill her um and so she goes from town to town so every episode is really kind of different and is dealing with different things but the one theme that's constant throughout the whole show is somebody dies in every episode ah and then um she kind of uh, comes in into it and uh, investigates that at a hockey kind of thing mm-hmm. and because of her ability to tell when people are lying she's able to uncover the truth uh but it, it's very um 
it is a procedural TV show, but it's got that through line of her being chased and stuff like that as mm-hmm. well. So, but it's interesting, like, it's only 10 episodes. It's not like a, a 30 episode procedural. Yeah. Um, or, or, or something that's run for, for years and years and years. So, um, it was really good. Apparently, there is going to be a second season of it, though. So, well, it's obviously good then if yeah. it's been renewed for a second season. So, and you know, Natasha Leone's always really fun to watch on screen. She's, oh, um, yeah. fantastic. So, such a unique voice. Yes. Yeah. Really fab. So oh, I might add that to the old watch list. Give that a go. Yeah, I swear there was something like with uh, with Natasha Leon and um, uh, Aquafina, because but they both got very deep voices, and mm. uh, I was like, man, she's got a really deep voice like Aquafina, and I think they were in a show together. Maybe. <laughs> I don't remember what show it was. Now I have to make that connection. Yeah. Um, but we might take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So I was out to dinner a couple of weeks ago and I probably was the second, third oldest person there. So there was a lot of people. How is that possible? I know. So there was a lot of people kind of in their younger 20s. So not much younger than me, but we were having a conversation about films and obviously my topic I love this topic and we were getting into it kind of started with a conversation around Saltburn and then led into some other films and there was a guy there and I was like oh have you seen this have you seen this and he's like nah unless it's got Jason Statham in it I haven't really seen it so (laughs) this guy was just his repertoire of film did not exceed really Jason Statham so I bring that up because we're about to talk about a film and I hope I've got this right uh The Beekeeper and he is in this film. He is in this film. Good, because that would have been a really awkward um, topic to bring up and then not, for him not to be in it. So here's, here's some films that you could have spoken about with the, that, that guy. <laughs> um, Expendables 4, <laughs> Meg 2, The Trench, uh, Fast X, uh, Operation Fortune, Rudiger, uh, Fast 9, so F9, The Fast Saga, Wrath of Man, uh, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> The Meg. Oh, the Meg 2's not on this list yet, so that's interesting. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of <laughs> a few uh, movies you could talk about with him. Actually, what was the, the, what was the first uh, film that Jason Statham That in? is, it's all action um, for him, isn't it? It's all action. Uh, so the first film, because he he's got some music video um, uh, ooh. ones. He was like in The Shaman's Coming On. He was a background dancer. Ooh. Jason We Statham. wouldn't think that, would you? No. Um, in uh, Erasure, Run to the Sun, he was a silver painted dancer. Uh, the Beautiful South, Dream a Little Dream, uh, he was a movie house patron, uncredited. Mm-hmm. And in Yellow to the Sea, he was a swimmer. We've all got to start somewhere and that's just where he started. We do. Dancing we as do. a man covered in silver paint. But his first uh, role that uh, he's renowned for is in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Ah, look, that is a good film. That is a good film. 1998. Wowza. Well, he's come a, he's come a long way, should I say? Or, yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure about that, but uh, he is fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I quite like him in a, a comedy or comedic type role. Well, he's come all the way to the beekeeper. Ah, <laughs> here we go. Um, do you, the, the one thing with Jason Statham films, and I was exp- explaining this to my boss the other day, you, you never feel like there's any stakes for him personally in the mm-hmm. film because I, you, you just don't feel like he's ever not in control of what's going on. Yeah, he's always in control of yeah. the situation. He's got it down packed. Yeah. He, he does. Just don't, doesn't matter whether he's, he's dealing with like you know, criminals or sharks. sharks. <laughs> uh, he, he's always the, the guy that's in control, uh, never loses his stuff. Uh, you know, he's just always, always the guy that, to go to when you, when you need stuff done. Um, so the beekeeper is... In the modern era, you're going, what could be like the biggest villain? Like the, the mm. villain that we could all get behind and go, yes, that person's an asshat and, and we should really all boo them and cheer when they get their comeuppance and mm-hmm. die. Those horrible, horrible people that scam people out of their money. Yeah. Because we all know the people who fall prey to these scams are the people who can least afford to lose that money in the first place mm. and are the the most vulnerable people in society. Like I'm talking about like the el- more elderly kind of people. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's just like, you know, they, they on their computer and something flashes up going like, oh, you're going to lose all your data unless you call this number. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they send a, a, um, a message on your phone saying your, your post thing couldn't be delivered. So press on this thing and put in your details and we'll redirect to you. There's no package. Don't don't press that button. I've almost pressed that though because I've been expecting a package. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just goes to show, and I always feel bad because you hear about people like this and they're always like, I feel so stupid. Don't feel stupid because everybody's almost fallen mm, prey to mm. something like this. It's just horrible that it happens. Yes, there's no prince in Africa who mm-hmm. wants to send you their money. So don't you be sending them 10 grand and thinking you're going to get a million bucks back. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... In this, this show, uh, in the movie The Beekeeper, uh, Jason Statham's just a dude. He's living on this lady's like farm, mm-hmm. and he's just keeping his bees, keeping just like bees. the just like the the title says. He's a beekeeper. Mm-hmm. He keeps his bees, makes his honey, and just is having his life. Um, so he's living on living on this this farm with this lady, and then mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, come over for dinner tonight." And he's like, "Yeah, cool. That'll be great." Uh, in his you know, English accent, mm-hmm. um, and so. He goes about his keeping the bees and getting his honey. Uh, she goes back and she's like working on a computer. Thing flashes up and goes, "No, you're gonna lose everything because there's a thing on a virus in your computer. So give us a call and we'll save you." And so she calls up this place, and this is the thing. He goes to this massive call center, mm-hmm. and there's a dude in there who's just so ecstatic he's gonna rip this woman off. And the woman, it's not just her money in, in there as well. She's also like the treasurer for a, a charity that's got two million dollars. And so she's there and this guy's like, uh, okay, no, 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 we'll talk you through it. We'll talk you through it. Now what I need you to do is um, you know, give me these details and then like give me access to your computer and then give me you know, th- these numbers here. And then like obviously they could take over her computer. Mm-hmm. They could hack into all of her accounts. They could drain all the money out of her account. So basically she loses everything and then she's like, oh, what can I do? Oh, I'm going to kill myself. And then takes herself out and then uh, Statham, uh, you know, he goes to her house. I should really use his name, Adam Clay. <laughs> he goes to, to her house um, and she's like, oh, my God, she's dead. But little did we know, Jason Statham is actually a former operative of a powerful and clandestine operation known as the Beekeepers. No way. Yes way. <laughs> yes way. So very quickly he figures out what's going on. And he goes and takes out the nasty hive. But that's only like one part because obviously you're going to have a queen bee somewhere Mm -hmm. and you've got to take out the queen bee to to kill the bad hive. You do. So the the, the film, like, it's... Okay, I I enjoyed the film. I thought it was fantastic. Um, There was one element to it, uh, was one character that was so over the top like everyone else was at like maybe a seven or an eight and they were going, yeah, this is good, this is good, this is yeah. good. And then Mr. Frickin' Levin jumps in <laughs> and he goes, no, no. Pull it back, rain and it, it back, was, mate. It was like a, he was a South African mercenary character mm-hmm. and he was so massive, stereotypical <laughs> South African. It was like, oh, my God, I just, yeah, okay. this is not good. It's 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 kind of like South African people are the, the, the last bastion of people that we we're allowed to take make fun of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying we should be making fun of anyone from any country, but it just seems like Hollywood's going, you can still make fun of South African people. Mm-hmm. Oh. Particularly in this in this instance, it was just, it was real, yeah. like, oh, this they is, mm-hmm. is kind of grating here, guys. But if they hadn't done that, it would have been, for me, the movie would have been like, uh, you know, maybe four, four and a half kind of action film mm-hmm. uh, out of five. But uh, because I did that, I, I'm thinking it's going to be more of a three and a half jars of honey kind oh, of wow. film. But I still enjoyed it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I really think that everyone should watch this mm-hmm. um, to see the scammers, just how gleeful and in, how much they enjoy ripping people off. Because that way, whenever you get these messages, you might think twice just to make sure that you're, you're not being scammed. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Uh, don't you yeah, don't don't uh, fall, fall for these kind of things. If something comes up in your computer, you know, uh, saying that shut the window, uh, consult an IT person. Don't uh, don't be ringing up and giving people personal details and access to your computer if you don't know who they are. Good idea. Yeah. I have a feeling there's a film going to be released soon. Uh, 
You know what? I'm going to get my facts straight before I actually delve into that. Um, I thought I read about a film coming out starring June Squibb that was about uh, a similar thing, but I might be wrong. So I won't chat about it until I've actually got the the facts down packed on that film. But I might uh, take us to a break and that way I can have a quick look. Fair enough. Uh, We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show... So we just heard about The Beekeeper uh, and I thought I would mention a film uh, called Thelma. So this is the film I was thinking mm. of. Uh, it's about a 93-year-old woman who gets duped by a phone scammer pretending to be her grandson. Uh, so she sets out on a quest across the city to reclaim what was hers. Oh, wow. So it stars June Squibb, who is fantastic, uh, but I think, this film, I don't think it's released yet, so I think it's due to release uh, very soon. It's called Thelma. Uh, I'm going to have a look at the release date. Uh, but uh, I remember seeing Nebraska. Did you ever watch that film with Gene Scribb in it? No. And uh, Will Forte is also in it and Bruce Stern, but fantastic film in black and white mm-hmm. uh, where they kind of go across uh, – can't quite remember. I have a feeling something about him thinking – Bruce Stern's character thinks he's uh, come into some money, oh, and yes. he and his son thinks he's lying. But they, yeah, kind of trek across the country. But uh, great film. So uh, June Squibb was in that. Really funny, and yeah, this one's due or released on the eighteenth of January. I can't remember whether I saw it or not. I, I know I saw the trailer a lot. Yes, it's a great film. Highly recommend it. I released back in 2014, mm. I think. So uh, my apologies. I think Thelma was released in America on the 18th uh, of this year, but probably will release a little bit later. Looks, uh, looks like June Squibb's still alive as well. In Australia. <laughs> yeah, no, she's just fantastic. She'd be great as a grandma. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that's one of those the things I apparently there's these uh, um, well there's this scam where they either like text people or call them pretending to be their children. I've so, had that. I've had hey mum yeah. uh, lost my phone. Can you call me or something? And yeah. I'm like. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is weird because you have got children. So. I know. I'm like, it's like, hey, mum. I'm like, oh. And then I was like, I'm sure I would know if I had some uh, some children out there. Um, but, yeah, really interesting. So, but, yeah, um, it's, that's, that's it. It's, it's such a simple scam as well because, like, a lot of parents, like, they feel that they need to help their children. Mm-hmm. So they see something come up and say, hey, mum or hey, dad, and they're just like, oh, my God. So if anyone does that to you, uh, like, maybe just check to make sure it is actually your child before yeah. you wire them any money. <laughs> please do, please do. Uh, but, yeah, I've had a few of those. So, um, But, yes, no, Nebraska, great film. And, yeah, Thelma, keep an eye out for it. Uh, I have a feeling Thelma might be a little bit more um, dark hmm. than maybe the beekeeper. Because the beekeeper, beekeeper was all action. It was, it was action, yeah. Yes, yeah, all <laughs> it action. Was, it was really, it felt like 90s action kind yeah. of stuff. And there, there may be... There may be like a president involved at some oh, point, so this is it's, okay. it's just oh, it's it's great. I mean, it is really good. I really enjoyed the hell of it. I probably will watch it again sometime. Mm-hmm. But it was just that South African character was just, just so great. Ruined, ruined it. It's amazing how some like one character can ruin a film. But yeah, I have a feeling Thelma would be a little bit darker. I can't imagine uh, June Squibb doing any you know roundhouse kicks uh, at her age. So maybe she could. I don't know. Maybe she was an ex agent of some sort. Maybe she should be like Margaret Thatcher and just have like a bag with a brick in it and just like whack people with it. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, well, I have also seen a film called May, December. This film releases uh, today. It had some early screenings uh, this year as well. So you may have caught it um, already, but the film stars Natalie Portman as Elizabeth, who is an actress. She's quite a renowned actress and she decides to infiltrate a small community in Georgia to research her next role. And she wants, so she wants to understand she's going to be playing uh, a lady called Gracie who uh, in the film is played by Julianne Moore. And she, so Natalie Portman's character is going to be playing uh, Gracie and she wants to understand her a little bit more before she jumps into this role. But the reason why Gracie is so well-known is because decades earlier she began an affair with a middle-aged 
schoolboy uh, who she hired part-time. Wait, she started an affair with a middle-aged schoolboy? Or she was middle-aged? No? The... Sorry, yes. Yeah. So she started an affair with a middle schoolboy. Ah, right. So he's not middle-aged. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> middle-aged. I was thinking like I, a, a 50 year old schoolboy. I was meant is... to say middle school. I've, I've, heard and of, I've... I've heard of man babies, but this is... Yeah, <laughs> middle school, not middle-aged. My apologies. Right. So really, so there's a 23-year age gap right. between these two people. She was... Um, um... Which, which is fine if you're both over 18. Exactly. But... <laughs> and at this time, he was still in school. He was under age she was already in a you know married mm. with children at this point and her children were friends with this this child so you know it was a very uh, scandalous thing and I, I I won't jump too much into the the plot and the premise because obviously you know I don't want to give too many spoilers away about this film but uh, Elizabeth goes in to kind of learn more about Gracie and her character and why you know it kind of tackles with that theme of, you know, predator versus, you know, I guess love and all of those things. But we – it's quite a complex film and it's hard to watch because you almost feel like this poor child really – he was so young at the time. How old was the kid though, the, the middle school kid? He was like 13. Oh, wow. 13 oh, at wow. the time. 13 that's, or 14. That's, that's not good. Yeah, who was groomed. And then, you know, some other very complicated stuff happens with this relationship, which, you know, I, I won't spoil too much because, it, you know, I don't want to give too much away. Um, but, yeah, it's complicated. And then we look at him 23 years later mm. and how he kind of starts to wonder with you know, Elizabeth researching this new role. She's asking questions a lot. So she's around the town. She's asking questions from him, from, you know, the people in the community. Mm. And it starts to create this whole thing again. So some, you know, this controversy that kind of swooned them when this first happened and, you know, was in the public eye kind of disappeared. And, you know, people just got used to this idea of this you know, 23-year age gap between these two people. Mm. But with all the feelings and things brought back up, uh, Joe begins to question uh, the relationship as well. So, yeah, it's quite a unique... Is she, wait, so is Gracie still with Joe? Yes. So the 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 13-year-old guy married yeah. the... the, the Right. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, so, um, you know, Julianne Moore's character spends some time in prison uh, and then when she gets released from prison, the two continue their relationship and they're still together at this point. So, right. yeah, okay. it's it's quite a complex story. And, yeah, you've got this, you know, woman actress kind of lingering around asking questions and, you know, it, it stirs up all these emotions between, you know, and Grace is a very complex character as well. She's got, you know, some dark kind of inner demons that she's battling as well. She, you know, can't really get a job uh, because, you know, people have, you know, frown upon her. She's been in prison. So she bakes cakes, which people buy from her because they feel sorry for her. Yeah, and then you've got Joe, And at this time, they've got children who are about to graduate high school. So this poor kid who is probably now in his 30s, yeah. mid-30s, mid to late 30s, um, yeah, is is you know, when he should just be having children mm. is, is already sending his children off to college. So it's a very complex film. Wow, this is weird. Like, it'd be, mm. yeah. It's very convoluted. Yeah. And uh, But I liked <coughs> thinking about this when I was watching it and, yeah, just kind of, yeah. I think 13 is such a young age. Um and that that twenty three year age gap is is insane, and I think it's hard not to say that's you know somewhat wrong. That, that, so that is, it's that, very wrong. It's very easy to say. It, it is very totally yeah. Wrong. Um, that is that is like the their definition of like wrong under it's, it's underlined. The film does make you start to go, oh well, no, if he consented and he's happy, then is it okay? No, I don't know. No, so, okay. <laughs> but but that's the that's the kind of things the film makes you, you yeah, think yeah, about, yeah, you know, because yeah. you know he 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 wanted and he's still with her. He could have left at any point. Mm. So you start to wonder, well, you know, if that's. But then you go, oh, but you know, he's young. He's still developing. Oh, yeah. in, in his mind, was he somewhat? Oh yeah, he would have had hormones um, running through him, like persuaded. Would, yeah. Like, so 
And he goes, this is a good idea. A hot older woman is into me. Exactly. But so No, dude, it's not right. Yeah. So it, it really makes you question those things. And, you know, ultimately, yes, it's wrong. But, yeah, you kind of sit there going, oh. Um, but, yeah, really, really kind of unique, fresh film. I've never oh. seen this. I think it is based on a true story. Oh, God. Uh, which is disturbing. Uh, yeah, so loosely based on the life of an American teacher, Mary Kay uh, Latwenu, who began a sexual relationship with her sixth grade student. See, this is just like the, a person oh. in a position of power like a teacher mm. just should not be doing that stuff and having those feelings for a kid under their care. Yeah. That is just ludicrous. Yeah. And, and could you imagine this? If this was a, like a dude and a young girl, like that you just you couldn't watch a film like that you know it just would not uh it wouldn't be made but uh, yeah it's it's just i'm flabbergasted i kind of want to see this film but i think it must be a really tough watch it is a tough watch uh but it does make you uh, i think the performances were fantastic you know julianne moore uh was brilliant even though you kind of look at her and go oh gross and then natalie portman is this actress who's trying to have a very unbiased approach to this and trying to, you know, explore the role and how far would she go to really embody Gracie's character um, or Gracie as a person. So she, you get to see a little bit of that, you know, unique perspective of um, actors, yeah, really going maybe Mm. too far to embody a role. So you get that kind of side of it as well. Uh, it is from director Todd Haynes, whose uh, films include The Velvet Underground, Dark Waters, Wonderstruck, Carol. So, yeah, some of his films are quite heavy. Mm. So, yeah, it is a heavy film, but, you know, brilliant acting, quite a unique film. I've not seen anything quite like it. Uh, and it does, yeah, certainly make you, yeah, kind of question. Is it, showing, is it showing on um, Netflix? That, no, I believe it's still in cinemas, in cinemas at the like moment it. or in select cinemas, but I feel like it will make its way to uh, the the streamings soon. So, um, yeah. Because the um, poster for it's a bit deceiving. Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's got May, December, and it's got like the, the two actresses, uh, Julianne Moore in the front and then uh, Natalie Portman in the background, like right behind mm-hmm. her. And you can see like, you know, the sides of their faces. And it kind of like, it's called May, December. And May, December generally refers to a romance where you've got a, a younger person, an older person mm-hmm. kind of thing. And it, to me, it looks like it's like, a, ooh, a lesbian relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know, that is exactly what I thought when I saw the poster yeah. for this film i thought it was a story about a relationship between these two people and having seen carol which is also a film that todd haynes did was a relationship um between an older woman and a younger woman kate blanchett and i think rooney mara was in the film so i thought that too and then i started watching this but the good thing is is because i went in thinking that's what this film was about i got an entirely different film Mm. (laughs) (laughs) but oh look i'm gonna score this four mirrors four mirrors four mirrors Nice. There's a lot of self-reflection in this film, so there, <laughs> so there should be. Uh, but we do still have another film to talk about tonight, so we might take one more break and then we'll come back and talk about Rice Boy Sleeps. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Oh, you are indeed listening to Unscripted, the film show. We have covered off on some very diverse, different films, The Beekeeper yep. and then May, December. Now we are going to talk about Rice Boy Sleeps, which uh, is a new a new film out, uh, also in cinemas today, I believe. This one has hit cinemas. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do you now? I wasn't sure who wanted to take the lead with this one, so um, you can take the, the lead on this one if you you would, you would oh, care to. I do not mind. We've both seen the film, so we're both going to talk about it yeah. ultimately. But uh, the film is. Uh, based on a Korean single mother who raises her teenage son uh, in the suburbs of uh, 1990s Canada, kind of determined to provide a better life for him than the one that she left behind. And she moves to Canada when he's still quite young Mm. and he has a very Korean name 
Uh, and, you know, the, one of the first things that she does when she, you know, moves is he gets his name. Well, the teacher of the school encourages that her. That was how bad was that? Yeah. Was like His name was Dong Hong. Um, and. It, but his last name was Kim, and mm-hmm. I think like a lot of Koreans, uh, Kim is their their last name. It's mm-hmm. like, um, uh, sorry, I'm gonna apologise up front because we've got uh, Alan, who is uh, one of our um, our favourite listeners out there, who is a uh, massive fan of everything Korean. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, everything South Korean. I think not. He's not a North Korean person. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, but uh, and we'll probably get pronunciations wrong yes. and whatnot. Um, but the yeah, so here's um, Dong Hung Kim, and the teacher's like, oh um, yeah, I can't really pronounce his name properly. So can we just call him David? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he actually wants to be called uh, Michael Jordan, which I think is a, a completely you know, plausible thing to do. Absolutely. I think they should have gone for it. But uh, absolutely. Um, why wouldn't they just call him Kim? Yeah, it it seemed bizarre. It almost like they picked from a list of names that were just easy to pronounce. But, you know, I think that that scene in general kind of sets the tone for the kind of the rest of the film Mm. and and the racism and and things that it's not, uh, it's very subtle in the film, but it is there. But she moves him, she's lost her partner. She's a widow at this point and she is working really hard uh, in a factory to kind of support her you know, new life in Canada and mm. her son. And then we skip forward to is, when... Isn't it nice that at some point in, the, in time uh, that, you know, in Canada, a single mother mm-hmm. could work in a factory and support her child? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I don't think that you'd be able to do that with just one job these days. I know, it was um, crazy. But, yeah, in the film. So it starts out when he's young and then we skip forward to, mm. you know, he's pretty probably late high school about to graduate soon uh and david at this point is quite a he's quite shut off from his mother they have a very fractious relationship he is not really a good kid he's kind of mixed in with the wrong crowd i think and he's you know doing some things that he probably shouldn't so she decides and she also you know has some health issues she gets a diagnosis that kind of changes her life a little bit too so they decide to take a trip uh back home to Mm. uh, whereabouts they are from Korea, which was quite a small village by the looks of things. uh, Yeah. To, yeah, just for her, I think, to build her relationship or to try and, you know, um, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Improve her relationship with her son because it's very fractious. Mm. They, they 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 fight. They don't really talk. There's that you know they sit at the dinner table and she's trying to, you know, ignite a conversation, but I, he's very switched off and just doesn't want to. Mm. Well, I think the thing is that the uh, like he's a kid who came to Canada when he was very young. Mm-hmm. And so he's being like brought up between two worlds of Korea and South Korea and um and Canada, mm-hmm. uh, and he does things to like fit in more with the Canadian kids and uh, like they're they're fairly obvious when you see the film. It's like, yeah. Oh, right. Okay then. Um, but uh, so he's even though he like eats Korean food and speaks uh, Korean, he's really detached from the Korean like life, mm. uh, and so. Um, yeah, when his mum does get ill and, and decides that we're going to, you know, go back to Korea. Uh, and her family's not, not there either because I'm not sure if she's actually from Korea herself mm-hmm. or if she came from somewhere else and then married a Korean guy and then the, the Korean guy died and then because she wasn't a citizen, she mm-hmm. had to, like, you know, leave the country. Yeah, the background to the film is very vague. It mm. doesn't really... It doesn't tell you a lot, really, no. does does it? You kind of just have to wonder and, and, and put pieces together yourself. But, yeah, it's very subtle, this film, in general. Yeah, but um, the, the the countryside, I don't, I'm, I'm hoping that they weren't filmed in Korea, but yeah, it looked lovely. It looked beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I think this was a film which doesn't kind of overtly lay out the issue of, you know, racism and and when people kind of, you know, immigrate to a different country. It's very subtle throughout the film, but it is there. I feel like this poor guy, David, is just doing things that he shouldn't do because he wants to fit in. Mm. And I think then when he goes home and he kind of, well, back to South Korea, he learns a little bit more about the culture and it changes his perspective a little bit. I think he begins to appreciate his mum and, you know, all the things that she's done and... The problem I had with this film, though, it didn't quite affect me the way that I thought or that I think the film was supposed to. Mm -hmm. It felt a bit 
um, the pacing to me felt very odd because it kind of goes from when he's very young at school and then quickly to when he's older. And then next minute they're taking this trip to South Korea. And I love the part when they're in the South, South Korea and their relationship blossoms. Maybe that, but it, it just didn't feel like there was enough in between those bits yeah, for me yeah. to connect to the characters. I felt like I didn't connect to the characters. I thought it was kind of sucky that he had to, you know, give the mum, like, a disease mm-hmm. to have the son um, actually, you know, uh, want to connect with his mum, mm. you know. I, I, I think, like, they – she was very um, closed off about the father and I think her opening up about the father and then maybe – Take, but like, I'm not a director. I'm not a writer. But I'm just saying. I just, I just felt like no. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want that, that for this woman. And I felt yeah. really bad for her. Yeah. And so I, I kind of wanted, wanted a more uplifting kind of a, a thing. Yeah, it was quite a um, yeah bleaker story. It would have been nice for them to yeah. I, I would have liked to have it, it, to have been more uplifting or to at least feel a little bit more connected to the characters because mm. I feel like. David didn't even have a lot of dialogue in the film. There's a lot of, you know, for him, I didn't hear from him that much. So I didn't feel like I knew him, uh, which in turn, I think when you don't feel for the characters in a film, then you don't really care enough. It's hard to explain, but, yeah, I didn't feel like the emotional impact was not there for me. Like I didn't feel it emotionally. I, I wanted to feel... Like that relationship that had been so, you know, fractured was now, you know, better, but it didn't Mm. hit me um, emotionally. But maybe I wasn't, maybe I didn't get from this what other people got. Well, I think the thing, it probably will resonate more with people who are um, migrants who've gone Mm -hmm. gone from one country to to another country. And also there's uh, the the thing in the the film where you've got, as I said, you've got... um, uh, Dong Han uh, Kim, uh, which is so. Uh, what um, Kim Dong Han? The uh, Alan just said the the name Kim is mm-hmm. the the surname, mm-hmm. even though it's first, it's mm-hmm. still the surname. And Dong Han is, is his like name. Ah. So Kim Dong Han is his, is the um, mm-hmm. his full name, but Kim is his surname. So uh, it would be a bit weird, I guess, if he was at school and everyone was calling him by a surname. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it was a military school, then it should be fine. <laughs> um, but the. Uh, he so he was then as I said he was a kid born in Korea spent like a certain amount of his life in Korea mm-hmm. then came to Canada and then is like being brought up by a Korean mum in a Canadian society. Um, then you had uh, another guy who was dating um, dating his his mum uh, who was a uh, Su Young. Um, so the guy dating Su Young was Simon, and he was played by Anthony Shim, and, and uh, Su Young was uh, Chow Seong Young. Uh, sorry. Got that one wrong. So I'm uh, losing my losing my place here. Uh, Chao Seong Yun, uh, uh, she played So Young, and she was great. She actually mm-hmm. played her over like a, a long period of time, and yeah. they did really good with the makeup of like aging her up and stuff like that as well. Um, Anthony uh, Shim plays Simon, and he's been like he's hundred percent brought up in Canada by uh, adoptive parents. So mm-hmm. his parents are totally white. And uh, he's uh, Korean, but he's totally like a Canadian guy. Just happens to be of Korean uh, heritage. Um, so you're seeing that kind of career, and then you're seeing an immigrant career, and then you're seeing a, uh, a Korean-born kid who's been brought up in in Canada. So you're seeing a lot of different like aspects, and then. Um, when you see uh, Su Young in uh, her work, and everyone else in her work is kind of at this point, everyone else in her work is you know, white dudes and yeah. uh, you know, a few female workers. But then a Korean lady comes and works there, and she's like, "Oh my god, just have that connection with somebody from Korea again." It yeah. was just it was full on. And then when they do the jump to uh, like ten years later, uh, she's still at the same place, but yeah. still doing the same thing, but the workforce is a lot more diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was interesting to see and seeing them sitting around a table discussing like having to people change their names and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you are a, a migrant um, and you've come from a different place to a new place, then you probably will appreciate this on a, a different kind of level. Yeah. Um, and 
like I, I really I did enjoy this film. I'm just I just wish like it didn't leave me feeling so down mm-hmm. uh, that this this poor woman who's who suffered so much yeah. is suffering even more. Yeah, so. I think there were so many important things in this film, and I appreciated all of those. I appreciated scene by scene. I think it's not so much the topic or the theme of the film. It's for me. It's um the only way I can describe it is you know how a story has a middle big like a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you kind of reach a climax. Mm. In the middle, and then the film resolves at the end. Yes. I felt like the climax in the film wasn't big enough for me to appreciate the resolution of the film, and I think the climax is their relationship. So maybe if it was t- there was more of that um, built build up, then I might have oh, it might have paid off a little bit more. But I, scene by scene, I liked it because there was some really interesting things. Um, but yeah, I love seeing that workforce um, diversity change over time and how they have now like this little community, yeah. um, you know, of, of people that they sit with at lunch. And then yeah, some of it was um, really fascinating. But yeah, maybe it's maybe it's the fact that it wasn't an uplifting story and it could have been turned around to be an uplifting yeah, story. Yeah. And then it might have been a lot um, well, nicer. I mean, at the end of the day, you're left to make your, your own decisions yes. about what happens next. So for me... Uh, it all it all was very great, and mm-hmm. uh, doctors are just really bad at uh, diagnosing things. And she yeah. was fine, and she so, was fine, yep. and then they have a great yeah. So there you go. But everyone is, had lemonade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it is in cinemas now. Uh, so yeah, go and check it out and make up your own mind. Do you know one thing I, I did take away from that is just how uh, amazingly uh, dexterous mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Korean people were with their eating because in one hand they had the chopsticks and like bowls of rice and stuff mm-hmm. like that and other food in the other hand uh, it was like a soup spoon and stuff and they were just like using both because both, when I'm eating with chopsticks and stuff I'll be eating with chopsticks put them down pick up a spoon use a spoon put mm-hmm. that down and I was like these guys are just like multi multitasking all over the place so <laughs> I'm going to give this um, uh, film uh, three and a half multitasking Korean people Love that. Um, I'm going to score this three and a half. Oh, my goodness. Three and a half pieces of delicious looking sushi. <laughs> That's one thing. Alan, uh, you, you, you can probably tell me this. Um, he in uh, early in the film, uh, the young Dong is eating sushi. Mm-hmm. Is th- that a thing that Koreans eat sushi? Because I thought j- that was a yeah, Japanese thing. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, uh, so. but it looked delicious num- nonetheless. It so. did. I was yeah very very hungry. And then that. he comes home and he's like, "Mom, can you just make me something normal?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Normal." I mean, and he's like, "Because everybody else was obviously taking things like sandwiches mm-hmm. and you know fruit and." I mean, I'd love if someone prepared me, you know, delicious-looking meals like that every day to take to lunch. I know. Some rice, some, you know, oh, looked amazing. Normal's boring. Normal no, is boring. Don't want a sandwich. You want a bar me. You That's do. What you, want. you do. But, uh, yeah, it just goes to show there's so many different stories and tales out there of, yeah, you know, immigration and people migrating to different countries and, and things like that. So... Um, this is one of those. But, um, yeah, lovely kind of film in it. Uh, yeah, but yeah, people can make up their own mind. Anyway, we should probably wrap up because we just have a few minutes left. Um, I don't know why I changed my accent there, but um, we will be back next week talking about more films. Not sure what's on the agenda yet, but uh, we'll have something for you. I won't be. I'll be watching Henry, Henry Winkler. But anyway, <laughs> that is right. But we'll be back next week. Bye. See you then. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.